How do you follow an introduction like that? Dave, don't do me no more favors. Exodus chapter 32. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up! Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and he fashioned them with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink. And here's, the, here's my thought. This is where I want to take my thought from. And rose up to play. Richard Good, would you ask the blessing? Amen. I'm sure you're very familiar what's taking place here. Moses is leading two and a half million backslid, belly aching Baptists out of Egypt, and they're heading towards the promised land. Now, if you back up to the previous chapter, you'll find that Moses goes up on top of Mount Sinai to get a word from God. And while Moses is gone, the people decided to make a golden calf and they decided to worship it. But notice what the Bible said in verse number six. The Bible said they rose up to play. And now the word play in the context of the scripture here means to laugh. It means to make sport. It means to mock. It means to toy with something. It means to make something out to be a toy or a plaything. Now they hadn't been out of Egypt very long at all and they've already gotten away from God and they've decided that it was time to play. It was time to mess around and they decided they were going to get into idol worship and they've not been out of the out of bondage very long preacher Howard and they've already backslid on God basically. Somebody might say, well, what happened, preacher? How did they get away from God so fast? How did they backslide so fast? God had just delivered them. He had just done a great work at the Red Sea and brought them out of bondage. How did this happen? Well, let's consider what led up to this moment in Scripture first. First of all, look at verse number 1. There was a lack of activity. Moses is up on top of the mountain getting a word from God and the congregation of Israel is down at the bottom of the mountain and you know what they were doing? They were doing absolutely, positively nothing. Moses is up on top of the mountain trying to get a hold of God and the children of Israel are sitting down at the bottom of the mountain. They're eating Doritos, they're sucking on lemonade and they're sitting with their feet up doing absolutely nothing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it might sound like a cliche, but there's, you know, there's a whole lot of truth to the expression that idle hands are the devil's playground. 
I say to you, doing nothing causes a whole lot of problems. I say to you that having a lot of time on your hands is going to get you into trouble. Hey, y'all to get up. Y'all to find something to do for the Lord. Hey, or otherwise the devil's going to find a way to occupy your time. You say, I don't believe that. Oh, really? Well, then what are you going to do with David? Now, you think about this. If David had not been at home doing nothing, if David had been in the battle where he should have been, are you aware of the fact that he never would have lusted after Bathsheba? But because David wasn't in his place, David wasn't down doing what he should have been doing, because David was sitting at at home doing nothing, he lusted after Bathsheba, and we all know what happened thereafter. There was a lack of activity. Nobody was doing anything. For God. Second of all, not only did there, there was a lack of activity, uh, but second of all, there was a lack of authority. Moses wasn't there. Uh, the pastor was away. Uh, God's man uh, was temporarily out of the picture. Uh, there was nobody there to rebuke them. Uh, there was nobody there to remind them. Uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, this mess would have never happened if Moses had been there. But if Moses had been in town when this was going on, if Moses had been preaching that morning, none of this would have ever happened. Hey, I'll tell you what's wrong with a lot of church folk, preacher Howard. Their biggest problem is who they become just as soon as the preacher isn't looking. Most church folks' biggest problem is who they are and what they are and how they live and how they talk when the preacher's nowhere to be found. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a time where people have a serious lack of this thing that we call integrity. Integrity is simply this. It's who you are when nobody else is looking. Everybody wants to be spiritual when the preacher's around. Everybody wants, to, everybody wants to act like they live clean when the preacher's around. Everybody wants to act like they're dedicated and they're committed and they're living right when the preacher's around. But as soon as he's gone, as soon as he's not in the room, as soon as he's out of earshot, ladies and gentlemen, it's a different story. And how sad, how sad, how sad. I can't hang out here. I've got to move on. But let me just say this. If you have to change who you are, what you do, and how you talk when the preacher's around, let me just tell you this morning, you are a hypocrite. There's a lack of authority. The preacher was gone, preacher. He wasn't there. He wasn't wasn't there to rebuke them. Third of all, real quickly, there was also a lack of appreciation that brought us to this mess that we just read about. Here's what they said in verse number 1. They said, Moses brought us out here and now he's gone. We don't know where he is and we don't know when he's coming back. So they turned to Aaron and they said, Aaron, build us a God. Now you remember, if you know anything about your Bible, it's only a few chapters before this that God parted the Red Sea, they walked across as it was dry land, and God turned right around and drowned the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. But they'd already forgotten that. They had no appreciation for what God had done. They got out there, they hadn't been out there long. And they had already started to worship, worship a false god. They had totally forgot about what God had just done for them. No appreciation. And the Bible says that because of all this, 
They made a golden calf. They stripped off their clothes and they worshipped an idol. They rose up to play is what your Bible said. They were messing around. They were making a joke out of the God of heaven. They were spitting in the face of God Almighty. They were making a mockery. They were making light of their deliverer and their savior and they decided it was time for them to play around and mess around and fool around. So here's what I want to preach on this morning. I want to preach on a simple thought of quit playing around. Quit playing around. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that we're no longer serious and dedicated people anymore. We don't take our faith seriously anymore. We make light of the things of God. We think old time religion is a joke. We think this is something to be to make light of. We think we can play around and not be dedicated and not be sincere. And God's going to turn the blind eye. But I have news for you, friend. One day God's going to get tired of your junk and He's going to put an end to your foolishness and He's going to put an end to your playing around. What do you mean, preacher? Well, what about this? If you read this same chapter, read on down through verses 11 through 14, you'll find, uh, Richard Good, that God was getting ready to kill every last one of them had Moses not went to God on their behalf and said, God, please don't kill them. The Egyptians will say, you brought them out here just to kill them. I always found this funny, preacher. One time God's wanting to kill them and Moses says, God, no, let's not do that. The next time God's, Moses is saying to God, oh God, please kill them. If Moses and God would have ever got their act together, you wouldn't have been able to find a Jew with the FBI this morning. God wanted to kill. God was ready to wipe them out. And Moses said, no God, please, uh, let's not do that. Let's, let's not kill them. You brought them out here for your namesake. But here's what God was saying. It's time to quit playing around. It's time to quit messing around. we got to get back to being serious uh, about some things. Uh, we've got to get dedicated to some things. Uh, we've got to get earnest in some things. Because one day, ladies and gentlemen, playtime's going to be over. One of these days, playtime will be over. So I want to talk about three areas in our lives that we need to quit playing around in and see if we can't beat the Methodist to the steakhouse. Somebody say amen right there. Let me give you three thoughts and we'll be finished. Number one, we need to quit playing around, first of all, when it comes to child training. To child training. I'm talking about what you teach your children and your grandchildren. Hey, it's time to quit playing around uh, about what kind of example we are to these young people. Look at verse number 2. Uh, when they were going to melt the gold down to make the idol, they not only got the gold from their wives, but they got it from their children, is what the Bible said. Their children were present for this mess. Now you think about this. Do you think those adults uh, ever once stopped to think about what kind of example they were setting for their children when they started worshiping that golden calf? Do you think they ever gave a second thought to what they were teaching their children? I could ask you the same question this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever stopped and thought about how children learn? They learn by imitation. Babies hear adults talk and that's how they learn to start forming words. You know, babies, babies see adults walk and that's how they start making their first steps. 
You know, babies watch adults eat, and that's how they learn to feed themselves. And you and I have to realize the simple fact that children are imitators of what they see, and they're imitators of what they what they hear. They're copycats. They imitate everything they see. That's how they learn. Somebody said one time, they said, I tell my children to do as I say, not as I do. Can I just tell you that you'll never train a child that way? You will never train a child to do as you say and not as you do because I'm going to tell you, they'll do what you do every single time. They will always imitate you. They will always copy you. They will always be a mirror of you until they're old enough to know better. Always, every time. You look around this room at these kids, they're like sponges. Uh, They absorb everything they see and they hear. Hey, you don't think they're not paying any attention? Ask them something sometime. They're absorbing everything they see. They're absorbing everything they hear. And you might not think anybody's paying attention and nobody's watching you and nobody's giving you a second thought, but can I assure you of one thing this morning? If you have children in your life, They're absorbing everything you do, everything you say, every place you go. I promise you, they're recording it somewhere in their memory. They're watching every move you make, whether you like it or not. I've shared this here before. I was probably raised in the home of one of the biggest hypocrites who ever walked in shoe leather. I mean, go to church every time the doors was open. I, I mean, hoop and holler and shout and cry and shout the preacher on while he is preaching. I, I mean, people just, I, I mean, you want to talk about a snowman? He had people snowed. I mean, I mean, people just thought he was a saint. I, I still run into people from time to time who want to try to tell me how godly he was. It's the truth. Honest to God's truth. I want to say so badly, and I, I, I take no pride in this. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by this preacher. I want to say so badly, boy, you didn't know what he was like at home. I, I mean, I'm talking about being dishonest. I, I'm talking about borrowing money that he never intended to pay back. I, I'm talking about committing insurance fraud to get things that he didn't need. Is everybody okay? I'm talking about cussing a blue streak. I'm talking about eating prescription drugs like they were candy and staying stoned out of his tree. But now Sunday morning rolled around and it was a different story. Boy, Sunday morning rolled around, he'd be on that front front pew. Amen, preacher. Glory to God. Woo, preach it, brother. Hallelujah. Every week. But here's the sad part. I was a little boy, Joanne. And I watched that weekend and week out, and week in, and week out. And you know what I started to think in my little, in my little adolescent mind, preacher? I thought that was normal. I thought everybody put on a show to go to church. I thought that's how everybody was. I, I thought everybody played the part when they went to church. I thought everybody had to put on their false church face to go to church. Hey, And thank God somebody came along at a critical point in my life and they invested in me and they taught me some things uh, so that I'd know better. But what my grandfather never realized was he was training me to grow up to be a double-barreled, flat-footed, certified, bona fide hypocrite, ladies and gentlemen. Can I ask you a question, sir? 
Are you serious about the life that you're living in front of your children and your grandchildren? Or are you playing around? Can I just teach you something about children that you may not know? Are you aware of the fact that whatever you do in moderation, your children will do in excess? Whatever you do in moderation, your children are going to turn around and they're going to do it in excess. What do you mean, preacher? I'll tell you what I mean. If you drink a little, they'll grow up and they'll drink a lot. If you cuss a little, they'll grow up and they'll cuss a lot. If you cheat a little, they'll grow up and they'll cheat a lot. If you lie a little, hey, they'll grow up and they'll lie a lot. The point is, your children are going to take your example, they're going to run with it, and they'll become ten times worse than you are because of your example. You say, I don't believe that. Well, how can you argue with the fact that if a young boy sees his father abuse his mother, he's seven times more likely This is a proven fact. If a young boy sees his father abuse his mother, he's seven times more likely to abuse his own spouse as an adult. What about this? Are you aware of the fact that if a child's raised in the the home and one parent drinks, that child is five times more likely to drink alcohol when they become an adult? And by the way, if both parents drink, that child is ten times more likely to grow up and become an alcoholic. Well, the odds aren't stacked in their favor, are they? I'm talking about your example. I'm talking about your influence. Hey, God's going to hold you accountable for what you do, absolutely. But He's also going to hold you accountable for your influence. I'm just trying to tell you this morning, it's bad enough to want to, to want to play around and not be committed and not live clean and not do right and not be right. But ladies and gentlemen, you're going to ruin your children. You're going to ruin your grandchildren because of your influence. You know, I find it funny. I've never seen kids that pray more than their parents do. I've never seen kids read the Bible more than their parents do. I've never seen kids that were more devoted and committed and faithful to church than their parents were. It's all about the example that was set before them, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about the influence. It's all about what they were taught. It's all about what they were trained. I say to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to quit playing around. I mean, my God, just look around. These young people that are in this room this morning, they're the future. And how they turn out is not their fault. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. If they don't turn out right, you can't blame it on them. You can't blame it on God. And I know everybody's... Listen, I know kids don't turn out all the time. I know sometimes you do the best you can and sometimes they're going to do, the, do what they want to do come mud, flood, hell or high water. I know that. But our influence, ladies and gentlemen, goes a long way with these young people. Anyhow, I've got to move on. It's time to quit playing around when it comes to child training. Number two... Not only do we need to quit playing around when it comes to child training, but second of all, we need to quit playing around when it comes to church. Hey, it's time to quit playing church, friend. Now consider what we just read. Uh, We're talking about people who knew what God had done for them. They had seen God move in a way that nobody else had ever seen Him move. But consider their mentality. They're willing to give up their gold for their idol. They wanted to make a feast 
to their idol. What about this? They were willing to get up early in the morning is what the Bible said for their false god. I never read anywhere in the scripture where they got up early for the true God. A dear friend of mine said this, Richard. He said, and it, it, when he first said it, he's in heaven now, and he said something to me several years ago, and when he first said it, uh, I'm, I'm about to say what he said. I thought, well, that how stupid. How obvious is what he just said. And here's what he said, and I've never forgot it. The more I thought about it, the more this makes sense. This is what he said to me. He said, people do what they want to do. When I first heard that, I thought, well, of course they do. I mean, that's, that's kind of obvious. I, I, I mean, how stupid. I mean, I, yeah, people do what they want to do. But there's a great truth in that that he was trying to teach me. Do you know that? This is what he was trying to teach me. People will be serious about what they want to be serious about. People will be dedicated to what they want to be dedicated about. Uh, people will be involved with what they want to be involved with. I, I say to you, the la- ladies and gentlemen, that our problem is there's no want to involved in our relationship with Jesus Christ anymore. And if there's no want to, it won't be very long. You're going to drop out. You're going to quit. There's got to be desire. There's got to be want to. There's got to be something inside of you that wants to be at church. There's got to be something inside of you that wants to do right. And here's why so many church. Here's why so many churches are falling apart, and why so many church folks are in bad shape. Here it is, real simple. Nobody wants to anymore. Nobody wants to go to church anymore. Nobody wants to pray anymore. Nobody wants to read their Bible anymore. Nobody wants to witness anymore. Nobody wants to tithe anymore. And our desires have changed because we'd rather spend our time doing what we want to do. And it's slowly but surely killing our movement. See, we're selfish. We want to do what we want to do, don't we? We're we're not interested in the commandment of God. We're interested in personal preference is what we're interested in. I submit to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that we got to quit playing around when it comes to church. Hey, it's time we got dedicated again. It's time that we got serious again. It's time we got committed again. It's time we stopped treating uh, the house of God with such disrespect and such indifference and such irreverence. I used this illustration before, but it bears repeating. Now this Bible teaches that the church is what? The church is the bride of Christ, right? Isn't that what your Bible teaches? So the church is the wife of of Christ, right? Jesus is God, right? And God's Jesus. We believe that, don't we? The, the, The church is the wife of God, right? I'm gonna tell you what I I'm gonna just tell you what I think. If some of you treated my wife the way that you treat the church, I'd fold your clothes up with you still inside of them. I mean, the cemetery's taking walk-ins every day. Somebody say amen. If some of y'all treated my wife the way that some of y'all treat the church, I mean, bless God, I'd kill you and tell everybody that you had COVID if you treated my wife with that same irreverence, disregard, and disrespect. And let me tell you men something. If you wouldn't do the same thing, then shame on you. Hey, it's not much of a man that won't stand up for his bride. 
And everybody's nodding and agreeing and smiling and all that stuff. But can I ask you a question? How do you think God feels when you treat His bride with disrespect? and indifference, and irreverence. How do you think God feels when you play around with the church? How do you think God feels when you won't get serious, and you won't get dedicated, and you won't be involved, and you won't tithe, and you won't take part? Hey, I'd be willing to bet that some of y'all make God good and fighting mad. I dare to say that some of y'all get God in a killing mood every once in a while. But we live in days where everything trumps church. Everything takes priority over what God said to do. Hey, it's time to quit playing around, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to quit coming to church and playing church. Now you just remember, people do what they want to do. I hear it all the time. Preacher, we wanted to. Preacher, we wanted to. Hey, if you wanted to, then bless God you would. Amen? You, hey, you say you're saved, I believe you. You say you're saved, don't you? Then hey, you ought to want to be faithful. You should want to participate in the service. You should want to tithe. You should want to witness. You should want to pray. Ah, oh, but you don't really want to, do you? You don't really want to. How do I know that? Because if you wanted to, you would we got to quit playing church, ladies and gentlemen. There's a whole lot of people out there outside of these walls that are going to die and they're going to go to hell because we played around. Because we made light of this thing. And it, Hey, eternity is an awful long time to make light of and fool around with and play with. we got to quit playing around when it comes to church. Number three. got to finish up. Everybody's mad. Number three. It's time we quit playing around, not only when it comes to our children, not only when it comes to church, but what about this? we got to quit playing around when it comes to consecration. Consecration. Hey, do you know what that word means? It, it means to make something sacred. It, it means to be separated is what it means. Uh, here it is, real simple. Is everybody listening? It means that it's time to quit playing around when it comes to living right. It, it means it, it's time that we get back to being separated. It, it means that it's a shame that you can't tell a church member apart from somebody who never darkens the door of the church. I, I'm going to be honest with you. We've been places, Preacher Howard. I don't know if I'm looking at deacons and church members or if I'm looking at people that just come out of the nightclub. It's a shame that we can't tell church. Not just, in how, just, not just in how they act, but how they talk. I mean, it's obvious. And it's a shame when you can't tell a church member apart from somebody who's lost. It's a shame. Think about this. If you read on down to verse 19, excuse me. If you read on down to verse 19, Moses got mad. Because what the Israelites had done, I mean, I mean, buddy, Moses was hot under the collar. I mean, Moses was hot. He was ticked. Uh, uh, but you just remember this. He still didn't get mad as God did. If you back up a few verses, God was in a killing mood. God, God was ready to wipe that crowd out until Moses talked him out of it. But watch this. Don't miss this or you'll miss this entire point. Uh, verse 22, Aaron calls what they had done mischief. 
But in verse 21, Moses called it what it was. He called it great sin. Can I tell you what's killed Christianity as a whole? Can I just tell you what's wrong with not only the church, but the world as a whole? It's when the people of God stop calling sin, sin. Somehow, some way, and I'm not entirely sure how and when and why, uh, but the church of the living God became politically correct. I mean, we're scared to death that we're going to lose people if we nail sin to the wall. I mean, we're worried to death that the offerings are going to go down if we call sin by its name. Well, preacher, you can't preach on that sin. And one of the biggest tithers in the church is committing that sin. You, you, you can't say that. He'll leave. He'll take his money with him. I, I, I say you ought to tell him he ought to stick his money where the sun don't shine and bless God, let the preacher preach is what you ought to do. Hey, God's never changed his mind on the subject of sin, ladies and gentlemen. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This Bible right here, this inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God is not a book of situational ethics. The Bible is not a book of situational ethics. The Word of God, is everybody listening, is a book of absolutes. It is a book of concretes. It is a book of absolute, concrete truth. Is everybody okay with that? It doesn't change for your situation. People say, well, I just believe God understands. He don't understand if it's against His Word. If it was wrong 2,000 years ago, then guess what? Hey, it's still wrong. The law of God doesn't change for your situation. If it's wrong for you, then it's wrong for me. It's wrong for you. It's wrong for you. It's wrong for everybody if it's wrong for anybody. And God's mind doesn't change for you or anybody else when it comes to sin. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to hurry on. 60 years ago, 60 years ago, any Christian, any church member would stand up and tell you flat-footed absolutely, without a doubt, that it was a sin to be a homosexual. Any of you, would you, would you older folks to testify to that? I, I mean, they had no problem whatsoever in saying that it was a sin and it was an abomination in the eyes of God. It made God sit to His stomach. Uh, yeah, everybody stood real firm on that until they got one in their family. And now all of a sudden, because Cousin Billy or Aunt Molly is one of them, all of a sudden, it ain't so bad. All of a sudden, because we've got one in our family, oh, it ain't so bad. Hey, shame on us. Shame on us. Hey, I love them. I'll treat them with kindness. And, and, I, and God knows I want to try to win them. But I'm not accepting that mess and playing like God's alright with it just because it's somebody that I know or somebody I'm related to. Sin is still sin. But the problem is, we've just kind of let it go. Hey, I think y'all to preach on sin. I think y'all to call it what I think y'all to call it what it is. I I think y'all to I think y'all to quit calling it a mistake. I think y'all to call it sin because it's not a mistake; it's a sin. Is everybody okay with that? I, I think y'all to just call it by name. I think y'all to preach on sin in specifics. Hey, we're all right as long as the preacher preaches on sin in generics. We're all right as long as the preacher just preaches on sin. But when he starts naming sin, we get a little uncomfortable. 
because we're afraid he's getting, to hold, getting ready to hold down our row and he's going to call our sin out. Now, preacher, glory to God, preacher, get him, but don't come over here. Say amen, sir, it's all right. I just, I just, I just think we ought to call it what it is. It's not an affair, it's adultery. It's not casual sex, it's fornication. It's not gay love, it's sodomy. It's an abomination is what it is. It's, is everybody listening? It's not called being pro-choice, it's called being pro-murder. It's not alcoholism, it's called drunkenness is what it is. Hey, it's not a fear, bless God, it's a lie is what it is. We ought to call it what it is. We ought to quit playing with sin. We ought to call it what it is. We ought to stand stand our ground and call sin for what it is and tell people that it'll ruin their life. Aaron said to Moses, he said, Oh, come on, Moses, now it ain't that bad. It's just some mischief. Moses said, It's not mischief, Aaron, it's sin, is what Moses said. But here's the part that blows my... Can, can I give you the part of this whole story that just totally blows my mind? Uh, uh, verse 24, Aaron is trying to convince Moses, Moses, would you believe... You're not going to believe this when I tell you. But Moses, would you believe that they brought those gold earrings to me and I threw them in the fire and wouldn't you know it... Out popped that golden calf. Moses, you, you, you just had to be here, Moses. They sure enough, they brought me all that gold and I threw it in the fire and out cut moo. It, it was the oddest thing, Moses. Now do you think Moses bought that for half of a second? You know what Aaron was trying to do? Aaron wasn't willing to take responsibility for what he had done. He didn't want to take responsibility. He, he didn't own up to the fact uh, that he had a part in all that had happened. In fact, if you read down to verse 22, he blamed the people. He said, Moses, it wasn't me. It was the people. It, it wasn't me, Moses. I didn't want to do it. They made me do it. He shirked his responsibility. I, 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 it blows my mind. Thank God God is a second God of second chances. Because this is the same Aaron that God let be the first high priest. I mean, that's 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 pretty pretty big mistake. I mean, that's pretty big mess up right there. I mean, that's that's pretty good sized sin, letting the whole nation of Israel worship an idol. Thank God God's a second chances. I mean, that's a sin on a magnitude that I can't even wrap my head. We're talking about two and a half million people bowing to a false god because Aaron made it. But he he shirked his responsibility, preacher. It wasn't me. (laughs) It It was people, Moses. But here's the problem. That sounds kind of familiar, don't it? Nobody wants to own up to what they've done anymore. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their actions anymore. Nobody's man enough, nobody's woman enough to confess that they've sinned. Hey, don't let it offend you, but can I tell you this morning that you're a sinner? Hey, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means, And that word all, it means just what it means. It means all. That means every last one of us. We're guilty. 
But here's the problem. We're at a place now that we just shirk our responsibility. Wasn't me. I don't say... Time out. I hear this and it makes me just about want to puke. I'm talking about people that know better. A lost person don't know no better. I'm talking about people that know better. This kills me, strives me crazy. I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I understand that there's some gray areas and there's, and there's some things that the Bible don't spell out in black and white for us. But if the Bible says it, it says it. I can't change it. I, 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 can't, I can't change it. I, I mean, I understand that there's things that I've got questions about and I'm not sure about. And there's some things that I'm not... That I'm, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. i got Baptist preachers who, who blow charismatics out of the waters for speaking in tongues. If I don't understand it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, but, but if the Scripture makes it plain and, and, and I can understand it and the Bible says that it's wrong, then guess what? It's wrong. It's wrong. We've got to accept the responsibility that we're sinners. We're capable of failing God. The reality is this. You can fail God just as easily as I can because, hey... I don't trust my flesh as far as I can pick it up and throw it. And you ought not to either. we got to quit playing around when it comes to living clean, being right. I mean, what's wrong with it, really? I mean, let's just get down to brass tacks. Is it so bad to live clean and to do right and be consistent? I mean, my God, is it really that bad? we got to quit playing around, ladies and gentlemen. God expects His people to live right. God expects His people to do right. God expects His people to obey His Word. And God doesn't expect His people to play around. He expects His people to be serious when it comes to this thing called being consecrated, living right. But here's my fear and I'm done. My fear is this. We're going to mess around and we're going to make light and we're going to play around with God until it's too late. Can I tell you what happened at the end of this chapter? And then I'm going to close. He got the Levites together. And because of the sin of the people, because they decided to play around, because they decided to make light, because they didn't take God seriously, on, in one day, 3,000 people had to die. In one day. Listen, let me help you. God's just about got a belly full of your nonsense. God's just about sick of your mess. You're getting ready to play around uh, too long. You're getting ready to mess around with God too long. And God is fixing to break you. God's fixing to judge you. Because you played around too long. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Here's the invitation and I'm done. Can I ask you a question? Where's your life at? What about you? Have you been playing around? Are you proud of the kind of Christian that you are? Can I ask you a question beyond that? If every member of this church was just like you, what kind of church would we have? Have you been playing around? Here's the problem. You're going to play around too long 
and it's going to be too late. God's going to break you. God's going to judge you. And God's going to hurt you in ways that you never imagined. I'm talking about 3,000 men that died in one day because they played with God. You don't think God takes it seriously? He absolutely takes it seriously. What about this? Hey, listen, Mama. Listen, Daddy. Grandma, Grandpa, is everybody listening? Are you proud of the example that you've been setting for your children? Are you proud of how you live at home and at work when the preacher's not looking? I mean, can you honestly say that you've tried to live right and be straight and be clean? What about this? Have you treated the church with disrespect and indifference? It's time to quit playing around, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, time to, it's time to get serious about being a Christian again. Hey, payday's coming. Playtime is going to turn into paytime one of these days. And it's going to be too late for tears then. It's time to quit playing around. It's time to quit messing around. So what are you going to do? Are you going to play around? Are you going to keep playing with God? Or are you going to get serious? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together in the house of God. Thank you for this thought, Lord. Said something was done to help your people. God, we got to quit playing around. We got to get serious. Lord, help us to do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. All hearts and minds.